0: What's up, humans? Welcome back to The Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Rain, and this is episode 78, Remix Tips and Tricks. It's the remix! We had a question from a YouTube comment from Dead Connection at Dead Connect DJ about remixing. So, this week we dive into why to remix a tune, different types of remixes, the benefits of each type of remix, and techniques on how to start and complete a remix. We also found a few tools that can help you remix, like tone transfer and splitter. Those links are right down below, along with the song of the week, one we talk about on here. It's a remix from Ripkenny of Sixth Street and Liz Bezler's song, shoes it's out now you can go listen to it check the links it's also getting re-released soon on the remix of dojo classic ep coming out at the end of october 2021 on the producer dojo label Uh, So get those links as well down below and support our sponsors while you're down there. The EDM Cookbook, which is something we talk about in this episode, uh, which is a super dope set of recipes on how to make different types of songs using different approaches. Uh, You can also go get Dojo TV for free. It's producer live stream classes from producer Dojo Senseis. Or the weekly download where you can learn from Ill Gates himself and his private weekly group lessons and get access to over 250 more episodes in the archive for just 20 bucks a month. And then guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He's the best engineer we know and your first class is free over there. All right, go to thehumanmusicpodcast.com for more episodes, socials, and sound packs. Follow us at the Human Music Podcast or at Human Music Pod on Twitter. And now let's get into the episode.
1: Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus. And you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo!
0: music podcast. I like it. What's up, humans? Yes, sir. What time is it? (sighs) Drop bombs on them. It's human music time, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, back for another one. And uh, this time, we're gonna talk about remixing, yeah, buddy. Remix, <laughs> ever, ever a remix. <laughs> <laughs> Big, <laughs> it's the remix.
1: DJ, Damn, son, Khaled. where'd you find this? <laughs> a certified trap classic. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Shouts to Silla who asked us this question hey. on YouTube, you know, asking, you know, oh, actually, pardon me. Uh, this is actually Dead Connect. I looked at the wrong question. Oh, the boy. Shouts we'll to get... Dead Connect DJ, who asked, Woo. you know, that's a cool how movie. to remix a song to a different genre. Um. And, yeah, that's a really good question. Remixes are super dope. Um. You know, they're a great way, you know, to start a song with a face and not only like a really good face and hook, but one that a lot of people already know that people might already be scouring SoundCloud and YouTube looking for a remix of either, you know, that hot new song or maybe their favorite classic. Right. You know, so there's a lot of like built in bonuses and benefits to doing remixes, right? Like, you know obviously doing all original shit is great we all do it but sometimes you know doing a remix it just you know gets you there quicker it's something you could really you know set off your dj set with you know you'd be a great opener when you like drop that tune that everybody knows the chorus to and they're immediately all locked in and then you flip it on them and they're like oh shit i've never heard this before and that contrast between like I have heard this and I love it and I've never heard it turn into that is so powerful. I've lost my damn mind in so many shows over remixes, you know, some, some cynics could be like, Oh, it's kind of cheap. You know, it's blah, 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 blah." but I don't give a fuck. I'm why work harder
1: than you need to (laughs) shit's hard enough to produce a song. And if your remix slaps, you did the hard work. I mean, at the end of the day with music, what you're trying to do is relate with people. And, uh, you know, it just depends on what degree of relatability you're trying to aim for. Like if you throw in a Drake song, that's like a guaranteed win in a set. Like everybody's going to recognize that for the most part. It's going to go off, flip it into any genre, house, DMB, whatever the hell. And people are going to love it because people know what the original is like and then they hear this twist on it. There's a degree of relatability to it. So they're invested in the song. And then it ends up being a slapper and you got their full attention. That's like really the winning combo when it comes to music. Make a fucking slapper and give get people to give you their full dedicated attention and actually absorb the content. And I mean, that's that's the name of the game. So when it comes to remixes, like any identifiable part you could find, like a vocal or a melody or even a sound or something that makes people think of something else that's like that's the gold nugget with remixes i find is is like easy uh or i don't even want to say easy but it's like very potent relatability and i'd say that's a crucial part in in actually like connecting with people with your music you know yeah yeah
2: and honestly like having having a a remix of something that you like that you drop in a set or whatever like it's kind it's like an opportunity for you to like connect with the audience and show them like what your complete taste of music is more like, right? Like you, like if you remix a song from another genre that you also know and love or is like genre adjacent to yours or that is like really influential to you, it's like an opportunity to kind of bring them into your world, what your headspace is like and kind of like complete the picture of your set. Right. Because If it's just originals, it can kind of be not one dimensional because you can go all over the place with your own originals. But like throwing in the odd remix, like you said, it gets the crowd's attention, um, having that relatability and also like an opportunity to like branch out and like give a broader picture of your taste and like a complete sense of like what you're what you're doing. Right. Um,
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I've seen that in your sets. You know, I mean, like just this <laughs> last one, I saw at APOG, you know, like dropping in, dropping in a Linkin Park remix, dropping in the Evanescence remix, dropping in that, um, that a Rage Against the Machine remix. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, you know, it's like, it's like touch points, people that already yeah. know like where that emotion and feel and vibe and sound is coming from and it ties it in to what you're doing and, and yeah. lets us know, like, oh, yeah, like, no wonder Ripkenny sounds like this because this is the stuff he also likes.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Like, I, I even remember, like, I was watching uh, a Nero set at Shambla, and he dropped this, like, it was definitely, like, his own personal edit that I haven't heard anywhere else, and I scour the internet for Nero's music, so I would have seen it if it got released, but uh it was, like, an edit of some, like, like 80s like rock metal it's not it wasn't classic rock and i forget exactly what the i know what it sounds like in my head but i would butcher it if i tried to come up with a name right now but it was like not what you'd expect like musically from them but like this it was such a moment in the set and like he was just going fucking nuts i think it was dan joe and elena weren't there and like he was just going fucking nuts and it was like one of the most memorable parts of the set. And, you know, for for Nero, whose sound is, like, pretty defined, you know, to have something like that that jumped out and then had, like, a drop that was, like, very Nero, but that fit the vibe of that song, it was, like, it really felt like a complete picture of what they were doing, you know? It was, like, what, yeah, like I said, one of the most memorable moments of the set and, like, really... Like a great example of remixing a song from a different genre into your style uh, to like, you know, really take a different spin on it and and grab people's attention. Um, but let's jump into the question. Can you repeat the question again? That kind of sparked this whole thing.
0: So uh, the whole question is: Ooh, not sure if you've covered this one, but maybe had to remix a song to a different genre. Pretty broad, you know. I think. You know, it doesn't it doesn't seem like Dead Connection had like a super specific question in mind. It just yeah, generally really. wanted the topic of remix remixing covered and we haven't. We have not covered this one yeah, yet. So great question.
2: Perfect. Yeah. Um honestly Straight I out. remember I remember a quote from Flume early on in my electronic music production stages where he was basically like if I'm doing a remix unless I can do, unless I can take the song and do something like, like different with it, like have my own like different, unique spin on it. Like I won't even do it. Right. Um, which always kind of stuck with me. Right. Like, because it it makes sense if you think about it, like if you're not, if you're not going to like flip it and like have something else to say about that piece of art, like it's not that it's, there's no use for it but like the why is less strong right there's less of a pull towards it if you're not like having something to add to the conversation with that remix right so that always stuck with me like if i'm going to do a remix it's something that i'm going to like take and put my own unique spin on it like i'm not going to do a similar thing to what's already done um which is kind of like the, the the thesis of this question, like how do you remix something into a different genre? Um, I mean, for me, it's less about like thinking about what genre I want to remix something into and more like finding a song. And, and this is for me, like as it relates to my artist project. So like just doing a remix in a different genre, like you'll have a different answer. But for me... I if I'm gonna remix a song, it's one that I've found that like I really like parts of, but I can hear like my take on it, like I can I can I can feel it working right, which is something that I think a lot of people can relate to when they have inspiration to do a remix. But um, one thing that I would say is like just like what already hasn't been done with that song, right? So like when I'm remixing a Linkin Park song. Or an Evanescence song or a My Chemical Romance song. Like the focus of that remix, like even though most of my music has like a lot of guitars in it, because the original was like a rock song, like I'm not gonna write new guitars. I'm actually gonna write a more electronic sounding song to remix a rock tune than I would write for an original because like I'm not gonna try and do the guitars better I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do something else I'm gonna reimagine like a more bass music flavor of of what that song is but because the association is the rock song and the vocal is recorded for a rock song it's still gonna have that embedded within it right so um that's like the first thing from me that's really like just think about like how you can add your own unique flavor to that song and that's really like the genesis of of why that remix is going to be good in the first place Mm -hmm. yeah i like that especially the the knowing the
1: why part because i think there's multiple ways to go about it right like if you're just looking for something that's like a dj tool and maybe the drop is totally disconnected from the intro but it's cool because it works live and that's all you want it for then that's totally cool um but you know, I definitely think there's something, there's like an art to remixing and preserving the original song, and and I love what you're saying about, uh, you know, contrast and like not doing the same thing the other artists did. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it's it's like a little more nuanced than that, and and I'm sure you're even, um, you know, it's probably so embedded in your process, but you're still preserving certain elements of the original and then you know transposing that to other instruments or doing whatever to it but um just that idea of like motifs and what kind of motifs are embedded in this track and what is the notable thing here is it the vocal line is it the lyrics is it the melody and let's say it's the melody maybe can i transpose that to another synth or play that on a guitar or do something you know any like really notable like if you remixed um, let's say Seven Nation Army, right? Like you could play that on anything. Yeah. The melody's really the key part that's gonna get people's attention. Mm-hmm. Versus a track like I don't know, anything anything notable vocally. Don't stop believing or something. If you draw yeah. if you drop out the song and then you start playing that, or even that piano bit is so iconic, right? Like a song can have multiple of these 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 hooks. core motifs but yeah and hooks too like um but i'm thinking like the hook what isn't makes just the, the words, essence right? of the it's song it's
0: like the thing that re- that people remember and relate to the thing that grab- you know totally. like it could be a rhythm it could be a melody it could be a chord progression it could be a lyric you know like there's a lot of different ways to hook somebody into a song and like I think that's that's what you're saying boils down to what I'm hearing is is like Yeah, I mean it could also be like why you love this song and why too. people love this song and make sure you use that in the remix otherwise what's the point of just like, you know, otherwise it's more of like a sample than a remix. Yeah. Like if you're taking yeah. something and flipping it and you're like, "Oh, now they don't know what it is." That's really cool and skillful and turns out great a lot of the time, but that's more like sampling and flipping. Yeah. than it is about remixing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like the different types of remixing. Like, you know, anybody can do like a bootleg, right. You know, where you like take, you know, take the intro or, you know, maybe take the, the verse and chorus and then just like slap a drop onto it. You know, like that's, I think one of the simplest, most accessible ways. Cause all you need is like an MP3 or a, hopefully a wave uh high quality version of that file. And then you can just like slap anything you want, any kind of drop or, you know, whatever onto it. Um, And then there's like the type where maybe you find the acapella online, you know, somebody, maybe they ar- put out the acapella on the original vinyl, or maybe somebody, you know, did a, got the instrumental and did a phase inversion. They don't, they don't usually sound as good, but sometimes they do. Like I just did the, um I found that, uh, I still gotta release this, but I found the Kanye uh, uh stronger acapella and put it on a Kermodee track, and that one is fucking mm-hmm. killing yeah, it
2: live c- certified club banger, yeah, right Dude, I've always been so like impressed how many like acapellas actually exist in the world, like how many people yeah. working at the studio just like backdoored the fucking vocal on the lime wire back in the day and it's like still floating around like how the fuck does that happen so Often, like it's it's crazy to me. Actually, a couple of the acapellas that I used for, for instance, the, Lincoln Park remix. uh, Apparently, some guy found out how to deconstruct, um, uh, any Guitar Hero song, because they have to have the parts separated Mm. for that, um, and like uploaded basically any any acapella that you can play on Guitar Hero, uh amazing kind of interesting but yeah i'm always shocked at how many acapellas exist in the world through different means and like the technology to extract the vocals only getting yeah. better so if you're looking to remix something just like dig a little deeper you'll probably find it um yeah what's that site i think it's splitter.ai Splitter. splitter Splitter.
1: yeah but that's... the actual site version is splitter.ai and it's okay. built off of splitter nice um yeah there's a couple other ones Man, um another really cool tool. Let me see if I can find it here. It's uh Google AI uh that takes in like a vocal line or something and then it can cr- it can turn it into like a sax line, a string line, blah 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 and it like articulates like with the voice formants is really cool. Um yeah. man, yeah. I have to find bad. this. It's so dope for remixing
0: yeah that sounds super sick. yeah, I definitely want to know about this. Um, you know so those there's like those various kinds of like bootleg and mashup types of styles that you can do where you know you can you don't need stems you know maybe you got an acapella, maybe you got maybe you just use the whole track right but then there's like the official remix you know where you either where you got the stems somehow and usually that's either they like put out a remix contest or maybe uh, you know the person, you know, somehow. And, you know, it's like the dojo, you know, it's like, you know, there's so many dope people in the dojo with six songs. We, you know, uh, pretty soon here coming out with the remix of Dojo classic EP that uh, that me and shoes got a Spider-Hound remix on Rip Kenny has a Sixth Street and Liz Bezler remix sixth street and slow form and uh what was the last person i haven't met that last person but uh, Catawampus, Wampus, yeah thank you oh, all of them still... got different ill gates remixes that they're dropping on that so that ep is going to be fire and you know that one you know those uh they put out the stems for the particular contest and you know granted like none of those songs are as famous as a drake song so you know like on the one hand it's like okay there's gonna be less people googling Ill Gates. Cthulhu remix than, you know, Drake, God's plan remix on YouTube. But the cool thing is, you know, Katie got the pristine, perfect quality stems to work with for that song. So whichever parts she chose to keep are 100%, you know, the stems, there's no weird phase issues that she's got to fight when she starts that, or like when we did the uh, "Do It For Me" remix, the Sam Shoemaker track that I produced, and then again, slow form and uh, and Rip Kenny and uh, No Breaks and that Muncher remix, all super fire, super different, but all you know started with that clean acapella. And you know, I don't know if anybody actually used any of the beat stems in that one. I think everybody just used the acapella. Um. But you know they got the extremely clean acapella, and they got to do an official remix. So you know there's there's like pros and cons to whether or not you're doing a bootleg or an official remix. The official remix you can actually release, get it out on Spotify and everywhere. The bootleg probably got to confine it to Spotify. Or I mean to to SoundCloud and YouTube, and and you might get demonetized on that particular track. Uh, you know depending on how close it is and if the algorithm can detect it, but you know but then more people are looking for it and you get your name out there. So, you know, there's a bunch of right answers for how to remix and why to remix. But, you know, consider those when you're when you're going and but I think, you know, regardless of all those pros and cons, the main thing is what Rip Kenny was talking about a minute ago. You need to hear something of how you're going to flip this. Like, I like this piece, but I would have done X, Y, Z to it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you don't have that inspiration, what's the point of doing the remix?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's the whole thing of like, like how to remix into a different genre. I mean, it's the same as like making any music ever. There's no rules. Right. But if you're going to remix it into a different genre, the, like, the answer is almost in the question. Right. Because like, remixing into a different genre is like you've already basically accomplished the goal right you're gonna you're you're taking a different spin on it so like how to do it like figure out how to how to stretch the vocal or take whatever motif like you're like tesco was talking about find the the piece that is the signature of the track and then just figure out how you can flip it into the stylings of that genre right um there's but there's there's no rules right you just got to you you got to like trust your intuition. Um, one totally. thing I was thinking about, would you guys agree that like, there's just kind of a certain magic in remixing like a song that, you know, for instance, like a Linkin Park song or something like that. There's like more magic in remixing something like that because you can't release it. Like it's, it's mostly only going to be heard at like shows and stuff. And then like there's at least for me, all the songs that I've like scoured the internet to find are like remixes of, for instance, like that Rage Against the Machine remix. Um, I like heard it live and then I like scoured the internet for it because it was just like, like I fucking love that song and the remix went super hard and I was like, oh my God, I need to find that. Like I Like I need that. Like, there's just, like, such a draw to to those songs which, like, connect worlds and, like, combine your tastes. And you're like, I never thought someone would also have the same interest in this and this, and they made this connection. And it's like, there's just, like, something about those remixes that has, like, a gravitational pull.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's, like, kind of familiar, but not fully. It's, like, nostalgia, but you're still excited for what's about to come like i think um you know you're just recalling on all these like memories and emotions and whatever you have with the original and then you have this other thing which is a different flavor to it and it's separate from this first thing you heard there's also two you know remixes where they're just better than the original and yeah. you're like that is what the song should have been Oh man, um yeah. but yeah man i think that part on on your why is like the most important because like if if you if you for example like a lincoln park remix like you know exactly who you're hitting with a remix like that it's not like you just googled acapella pack picked one threw it into it. it's like when yeah. you pick a lincoln park song you're going in with a clear purpose and i think a lot of the magic that you're talking about is one not having a blank slate to start from there's a very clear Kind of path and direction you can go towards. And two it's like you're inspired because you love the song and you feel so powerfully towards it you know if you if you're doing it right but uh it's just it just it, it's a jumping point and I think too it's like coming from a background where you'd like play in bands and now to being more of like a solo act where it's like you control most of the creativity. it is really, really refreshing. When you can just get the ingredients from somebody else, the couple riffs, the sick ass drums, the vocals are already fucking perfect and emotive, don't require any extra work. And then you just focus on one task. Insane how easy shit comes together and how amazing it
2: sounds. That's so true. Like some of my favorite songs that that I've made that were like, you know, that I, I think sound really great. We're like the easiest to make. Like, those are the ones that like, like, yeah, maybe that is part of the magic. Like, because you already have the best parts figured out that like an incredible vocal and chords that work incredibly well underneath those, you're like the hardest parts already done. And then you just get to have fun, like reimagining how it would work. Right. Like, that's actually a really good point because that's yeah, I gotta- honestly, my favorite way to work is starting with the vocal and then like reharmonizing it and then making a drop, right? And you don't have to edit the vocal. You don't have to fuck with it. You can chop it up however you like. It already sounds good. Totally. I got a question for you guys too.
1: Do you ever see a remix? Like I feel, uh, not for everyone obviously, but for like, let's say Linkin Park, a band that has left such an impression on me and I'm sure you guys and then the rest of the world. When you see something like a Linkin Park remix, you're like, who the fuck does this person think they are remixing <laughs> I know, Linkin right? Park? Yeah. Let me check this shit immediately and see if they're worthy. Yeah, and so then, awesome. bam, another play. And if it's dope, it's a couple plays. Yeah, I mean,
0: I've definitely thought that. More The more I evolve as a producer and an artist and a creative, the less I have those kinds of thoughts. The I think the more... The less I have those thoughts of who do I think I am, the less I have those thoughts of who do you think you are. You know, <laughs> as, as above, so below. I'm kidding. Of course. a reflection. Yeah. No, you feel me though, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but it totally, is a really totally. good totally. point because you know sometimes, like, like, like you said, if the song is already perfect to you, why remix it? Just play it in your set. Whereas if it's like oh this is filthy but I would have gone a different way or this is dope but like it couldn't work in my style of DJ set then those are really good reasons to remix it and but yeah like you see a song you love and you're like I need to know how somebody flipped this shit yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, like if I was if I was more of a meme producer which honestly we should do this for uh, uh for rave gravy Luke yeah, I would right? I would I would remix a bunch of Michael Jackson songs just so i can get yes. people going you can't remix michael jackson he's the goat man you can't he's the best you can't you can't do michael jackson remixes could
1: you imagine a full set on michael jackson with bass music that actually like oh man so fire
2: but yeah, like okay well new mission life the <laughs> offbeat chants are gonna be out of this world dude All the Michael Jackson grunts and shit, like, unlimited chance. Damn. We should have just all started projects trolling passionate communities of other... Yeah, oh my god, like, fucking (laughs) gigantic base of free marketing that is viral because when people are angry, they want to show other people how angry they are. Right? Oh, oh, by the way, there are so many results...
0: When you Google Michael Jackson, a cappella, smooth criminal, oh, man in the mirror. Who is it? The way you make me feel beat it bad. Human nature. Billie Jean. That's just the, just human the top page. Banger.
1: Right? <laughs> Yo, um, I figured the out the thing is called <laughs> <laughs> the thing is called tone transfer. So people should transfer. go download those Michael Jackson acapellas
2: and throw them into
1: Tone Transfer.
2: What, is, what? Oh, that's the thing that takes an acapella and creates a... Is it like, like a midi line? It actually,
1: it looks like it takes in quite a few sources. It could take in percussive sources, whatever. It's got acapella, singing, birds chirping, carnatic singing, cello performing, What's carnatic and hands clanging. Let's see. It's a woman going... da da, 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 da,
2: da, da interesting yeah
1: and then you can damn it sounds fire as a saxophone
2: <laughs> sounds very ethnic. wait does it does it output audio only i mean
1: it takes in audio and outputs other audio
2: yeah i think you're, you're asking at... if it
1: gives you midi yes.
2: yeah uh don't think probably so. not based on how you're
1: talking about it no it, it actually like takes in audio and resynthesizes it into new audio that's dope. like it needs the initial source and it's to free? like feed into the machine learning thing yeah it's uh it's google based thing you know
2: mm. you know
1: google taking over the world slowly one day at a time so sorry so what anything google you record a, into there google what what is this any- thing New Anything you record in there technology. they're
2: secretly using for some sort of voice integration software and your your voice is going to be part of some robot AI that's going to be on their next phone. They're going to
1: fake you. I heard apparently every time you do those captchas, you're like helping train a machine learning library.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, it's like, why else would they need us to know how many stop signs are in this picture, or how many fucking like? It's
1: clearly training self-driving cars, right?
2: Son of well, isn't it?
1: Oh, that's such a good point. But isn't it weird too how they're like prove you're not a robot by performing this task so we can teach robots how to identify these things in the future? Yep. Yep. Irony. Wow. Um. Also, so basically. The thing, uh, Tone Transfer, it looks like it's in collaboration with Google. Oh, it's Google's new machine learning algorithm, but it uses Magenta, which is just like an open source, just machine learning audio thing. And it looks like there's other really cool shit being done with it, like
2: transcribing
1: pianos with neural networks. Creating new sounds generated with machine learning. Like I'm gonna synth. I'm
2: gonna derail our train just like really quick. Okay. Yeah. How long do you guys think it is before machine learning will just be able to write popular music styles? I think with it's a already possible. Button, right? I think I think uh, right
1: now I, I, the one thing I cannot see being programmed. And, and maybe, yeah, I guess if you had a large enough sample size and you trained a machine learning network on it, blah, blah, blah. But then even still, people are going to be revered for their innovation because of machine learning network. I mean, I guess unless you code it to deviate from norms. Right, actually, but I do I'm like, so you're really actually... a taste maker more than you are a producer and chord progression maker and all this other
2: shit. There's, there's actually
1: parts to go together.
2: There's like a Pandora equivalent that actually already fucking does it. I don't know why I didn't think of this. There's already like a, like a, I need to figure out what the name is, but there's already a thing that's like Pandora and you start and you type in like, I want to listen to Deep House and it has like a gigantic database of like loops or Mm. something or samples or presets in a synth or something. And it like literally generates unlimited Deep House songs for you to listen to. I listened to it one time. It was all between C and B plus music, but it was passable. I mean, like how long is it going to be before they're writing like absolute bangers? I don't know. That's the thing though. Like I feel like that service would have already taken off if more people gave a shit about, having that right like the discussion is like how long until musicians are just replaceable because a machine can play anything that it wants in any amount of complexity at any time signature bpm first try right but like the why has gone completely out the window like why would i give a fuck i don't even if it's like so good like if it's like something a computer made like Am I gonna connect with it? If I didn't know that it was made by a computer and I, I I loved it and I later found out it was made by a computer, I would feel like dirty. I would feel like I would <laughs> feel like, oh man, like my circuits are broken. Like what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like, would people listen to that? Do you think they
1: would care? Well, have you seen like generative art like uh like yeah. imagery and stuff? sites yeah, like it's Art Breeder. Yeah, where it's like, break. it all looks familiar, but it doesn't at the same time. And I feel like because when I think about music being made and I think about concepts like checkerboarding and mixing, and then not only are you writing these parts, but then also you're doing automation on top, maybe like a reverb throw, maybe this or that. To us, there's there's cohesiveness when we create that kind of stuff, because, you know. um, A reverb throw sounds a certain way, but intuitively you use it a certain way. And so the way the result comes together is a lot more thought through. Whereas I'm sure a machine learning thing could calculate all of these textures and tones and blah, 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 and try to apply that to music. But would it actually be able to intelligently incorporate automation and stuff like that? Or would it just come out into this like, Jumbled mess of vagueness, and I wonder really how limited technology is in that kind of uncanny valley area where it's like, (laughs) man, it's just like you said, if I like this, my circuits feel broken because it's like it just feels wrong. So, I'm not worried about it anytime soon, honestly, because I think there's so many factors that go into. You know, taste making and sound selection and intelligent choices. Yeah. You know, to really tie everything together. And I don't but see emotion, how unless a uh, uh, program was like going through every single aspect of production. You know, like generating yeah. lyrics, generating chord progressions, blah blah blah, and had a way to check that everything works
2: together, and then I mix it, mix it together like professionally, like I'm, pick good
0: patches.
2: Which, yeah, like. Uh,
0: I mean, AI is yeah, just, getting yeah. pretty good at being a mixing assistant already. I don't know how but do you far think, away what we do you are think for of, it to be a I mixing mean, professional.
1: That's a whole rabbit hole.
2: Yeah, but like a lot of a mixing is picking the right sounds to start with, right? So unless you've machine learned, but then you only have like a set library of shit it can pick from because then you're like this batch of stuff works well together and so does this batch and you can use this from this batch and this from this batch but not them together right then like all of it is eventually going to reach a point where it sounds the same unless you can also machine learn how to create patches analyze their tonal signature and where they sit and then figure out compositionally what elements work good together and then it can create stuff from scratch to make yeah. that but the amount of like coding I- i'm sure it's possible I- I ultimately mean, yeah, i think, I think like, that i don't i'm not really worried I about it because yeah. I don't think like i said i just don't think anyone's gonna give a shit yeah i mean yeah I if technology
1: I, gets that good we'll probably be dead because it so would have taken yeah, over yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah like robots
0: mine. will be left to listen to it <laughs> all hail skynet <laughs> but i mean like you know like <laughs> machine learning is powerful you know like um i met the dude who made lander mastering like i met him at a meta at a party uh, in la no way and it was, yeah was, hey what's up what's your name oh hey yeah i'm so-and-so oh, what do you do oh like oh, well i'm a mastering engineer and i also invented lander like what it's like yeah i still
1: stand it. by fuck lander but i'm sure the guy was chill
0: i mean he I just was just really chill i mean and i know a lot of people say fuck lander but i don't feel that way because i feel like think about it think about it as you're a producer mm-hmm. that knows how to make beats and knows that you're not going to be the engineer on the final record and doesn't want to spend a shit ton of money on mastering plugins, or money to give a mastering engineer just to master your instrumental so it's loud enough for an artist to listen to and write to. right? Or it's just like, look, I need to get this cleanly from fucking, you know, negative 15 luffs to negative nine luffs, and I don't know how, and I can pay 10 bucks a month for this machine to do it for me. It's not as good as a professional mastering engineer who can like really feel it out, but it's way better than me fucking it up and just squashing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's really, it's a really good tool for people that need it to be exactly what it actually is. And I know a lot of people who use it it, and like, People like one like win beat battles off of that shit. If your mix is good, the mastering on Lander is going to be pretty solid.
2: Well, hold on though. If you know how to mix, you sure as fuck can master something. Yeah. Even if not, my first thought too is like, even if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you don't even know what mixing is or an EQ. Like, put. Pro L on there and turn the gain That's up. That's what and, I'm saying. Like until you get 60 B's of reduction, and then like past that, if your mix sucks, you're not gonna yeah. be able to pull it off, anyways. So, L- like, look for anyone that wants to send me
1: 10 bucks to slap a Pro L on it and support yeah, the dude. podcast. Actually, <laughs> the links in the description. Send you me send 20 me bucks. Nine bucks. I'll run it through. I'll through run it through Lander.
2: I'll run it. I'll run it through my my <laughs> Testmaster chain. That that is that is more than just a pro al for twenty bucks, but ten bucks hit your boy Tesco. Yo, I, have I, I have to adjust one knob. I have to adjust.
1: It's two knobs. It's Yo, funny Luke, though. You're on some five hundred IQ shit. It's
0: funny though, man. Because like, I mean, like I feel you guys on Lander. Like it's not the best thing at mastering. I am a better mastering engineer than Lander because I can stop and discern what's going on as opposed to just run them all through the same algorithm. For example uh bounce gang my crew that i was working with decided to put out an instrumental album and so we got like 15 different producers with 15 everybody mixed their own tune, so it had 15 different mixing styles Mm -hmm. shit came in at different luffs and different amounts of headroom you know different amounts of bass and treble and They were like, oh, yeah, one of the guys has a Lander account. We'll just run it all through Lander. And I was in charge of finishing the product. So I was like, all right, let me do an experiment because I'm curious. I ran the whole album through Lander, listened back, and was like, you know, it's okay, but I'm not actually satisfied with this. And then I went and I ran everything through my chain and just did little micro adjustments where it's like, oh, To fit with the rest of these tracks, this one needs a little notch where the snare is harsh and like a little shelf where the sub is hot, you know, and like little things like that, just those like little things that I did to it and like making sure from where they started to where they ended, they all hit the same left target, like really helped. And like I listened to the two, you know, each song back to back and I was like, yeah, I'm much happier with what I did. But yeah. then again, I've mastered a bunch of songs of my own, some for other people, and I've got a bunch of practice and I I spent the money on like the Fab Filter bundle. So like, I get it. If you don't want to do all of that and you just want to fucking make your beats louder so that our artist, so that a rapper won't be like, oh, this sounds shitty, then yeah, rock on, go get Lander. But
2: for yeah, real. But, but this- also like. Kenny, Kenny Beats even says don't master your shit when you're sending it to an artist because you want it to be quiet enough for them to fuck it. like if they turn their speakers all the way up like it should still not it shouldn't be so loud that they can't like hear themselves over it like there should be space for it. but I, you know, I, I totally know on agree. the they other under, hand though
0: like if yeah if you're sending it to them and they're in the studio and they want to record to it right now then their engineer doesn't have to do that one extra step of turning it down but like they're probably going to get track outs to if that song's from you if that songs coming out and like if you send it to them and they're trying to write on their iphone speaker and the shit's at fucking negative 20 luffs yeah they're not going to be able to even hear the snare so it's like that's rough like trying to like you you're at the max volume and you're like i still don't know what's going on in this song next fucking producer this shit's whack because everybody else turned their shit up and even if you just slam it into pro l (laughs) you know it's still going to be better than not i think and
2: like as, yeah, you're right. Like if you're listening to a bunch of beats back to back and all of a sudden one's like hella quiet, like it's not gonna knock and they're gonna be like, yeah, pass. I feel like I feel like Lander if it combined some sort of like EQ matching technology where like you input your favorite rap song and then you put your unmastered rap song in there and and say, Master my rap song and make it tonally like this one. I c- that couldn't be that hard, right? Doesn't
0: Isotope like already do that shit where you can like I'm sure tonal matching either, yeah. and I don't yeah, remember. Do they the exact, do the like, neutron o- and whatever? Like, doesn't do they auto master? I don't think it auto masters, but they do have like the AI mix assist.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, combine, like, so combine sure, the two. Yeah, combine the two, and you can get a beginner that actually has like a cracking beat. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, all that. But, uh, hey this is the human music podcast we've been talking about robots for too damn long Beep, boop. and we we're supposed to be talking about remixes not mastering you know what I'm saying I just want to like let's get us back on this is a good this is a good conversation but let's get back on track here for the rest of the pod
2: um yeah I, I did not intend to derail more <coughs> than five minutes of conversation okay. but I we people always need to master their. we always remixes have longer too.
0: tangents than we thought
2: <laughs> I, I'm a, yeah I'm don't put your remix the, out
0: unmastered. <laughs> un-
2: <laughs> I'm probably the tangent guy on this podcast. I like tangents. Tangents, yeah, human it. tangent podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just just sure. like music <laughs> written by a human is more interesting because there's the human quality. Tangents just have more human quality. Tangents. Yeah, that's the
0: point of a podcast. You know, we could we could edit this shit down and have it really specific, but nah, fuck that. You're just gonna listen to us ramble for an hour, <laughs> and it's gonna be dope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's yeah. let's Back. let's finish out with some like. Actual lessons you've learned from actual remixes you did, any mm. techniques that have like specifically worked or specifically not worked? Like let's mm-hmm. let's give some like actionable advice to close out here. Anybody yeah. got any any
1: starters? I got a really good one. Ooh. Shout out Ill Gates. You. I love his approach of um, when it comes to remixes, bring the stems into your project, delete what you're not going to use and then just have a session where you use those stems to generate a bunch more parts and basically run mud pies on those stems. I think that's the absolute best way to keep uh, the the core of the remix intact and then right from the start, create a whole bunch of content that relates to those most potent parts of the song and then fit everything else in around that. Yeah. Oftentimes I find, you know, if you grab something that's way too left field, you can definitely make it work and really, you know, flip that that style. But even still, like it, it, it requires one of those original elements to keep it a good remix. So the earlier on you have those parts, the more you can, you know, start fitting them in and get that subconscious mind thinking of like, oh, this would be a good little transition bit. Oh, this would be a good little reverse thing here. Oh, I could make this into something yeah all that i feel like makes a huge difference
0: yeah i like that a lot i'm actually a really big fan of you know even if the song doesn't turn out that great i'm a really big fan of the challenge of doing a remix using as many of the original pieces as possible you know a lot of people would like just take the vocal remake all their own sounds around it which is also dope you know no shade to that but i do love personally the challenge of like okay if i'm only what if I were only using this set of sounds? What could I make with it? And um, I know the uh, the Herbalistic EP just came out on the Dojo, fire. the Nature Grooves, super, fire. super dope, right? And it's got three sick remixes on it. I also submitted a remix to that that I really like. Um, but by the time you know, by the time I got mine finished, you know, Dylan was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to level with you. I think I've already got. We've got so many dope." ones and I think I've already got the 3 and you know your still needs a little work so I wouldn't worry about it but that is actually that was actually my my philosophy on that I sped it up a little bit and I like changed the drum groove from a you know kind of a halftime 90 bpm to like a full time reggaeton moon baton vibe and uh and used you know used all of their sound design as you know the face of the remix because none of those songs have any vocals in them and so you know normally like the key clear piece that you would use as the face of the track wasn't there so it was like okay well what do i do to keep it their track well i guess i'll just use all of their sounds and i'm still yeah, gonna keep r- i'm gonna drop that one live and shit but you know it's probably just gonna be my own my own private bootleg unless i get permission to release it
2: yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like if there's no clear hook, like it's kind of a sound designing bass song with no like vocal or anything, like remixing that is actually a lot harder. I actually think now thinking back, like I listened through the herbalistic stems when that remix opportunity came out, and I was like, I don't really hear what I would do with it. And so I just didn't I just didn't make a remix, right? Because like that shit would have been really hard to figure out how to make it sound like a remix of a song that I, I didn't have like a clear, like this is the thing and then work from that. Right. Like that's actually a lot more difficult.
0: Yeah. That I, that was the first thing that went through when I was listening to those tunes. Also like, what am I going to keep of this? It's really filthy, but there wasn't like one theme, like their, their style Mm -hmm. of music is, is really sound design based. And it's filthy and it's interesting and it keeps on changing as the song goes. It like doesn't like repeat a lot of shit. And which is extremely sick in a live situation because when you're standing there headbanging and melting face, you don't want to get bored by the track. But like it does make it more of a challenge to remix because there's not that clear, like, oh, obviously just keep this piece, you mm-hmm. know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to to lessons learned for for remixing, one thing that I ran into myself, because early on, like before I had any business like thinking my music was good, I, I was doing some remix contests because in my infinite wisdom, I read that winning remix contests was a great way to get your name out there. <laughs> There's no way I was ever going to win like fucking a year in. Like I had no idea what I was doing. That was but an I, I, excuse
0: I, to keep yourself moving and, you know, have a deadline. I think that's like really good practice. Yeah. Like, true. cause I'll that's the that. best thing about remix contests is they have an end date. See, Oh shit. I can't work on this forever. That's yeah. True. That's actually that's a
2: really a good, good point. point. Cause like my first, like <laughs> I've said on this podcast, the first song I ever made took three months and I didn't work on anything else. And like, having a set deadline that like no you can't keep changing the the bass patch and melody like every two days you work on the track uh super helpful but one thing that i i realized that um just was not a good practice for remixing when i was doing those is that like just like what you said were you know dylan's suggestion for doing a remix is you bring all the stems in delete what you don't want to use and then like make new stuff from there i would bring all the stuff in and be like i like this i like this i like this i like this this is cool this is cool and then i would leave all the rest in there and then like inevitably you get to a point where you're stuck like writing the song or you don't you don't have an idea for the pluck in the background or whatever and you're just like what did they use? And you grab the stem that was like, whatever the thing in the background was. And you're like, yeah, obviously this works. I'm going to use this. And then what you end up doing is just making a shitty watered (laughs) down version of the original rather than like, really truly making something your own of it. Like, even if you have a different, like lead melody thing of like, seven of the other 10 parts are the same. Like you really didn't, have a lot else to say on that piece of music, just because you made an eight-minute trance edit of a trance song that was already three and a half minutes doesn't mean it was better.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: or yeah. even worth listening to at all.
0: Nah, Oof. I feel that I've definitely seen a lot of those on remix contests. Where like, oh well, I made it really long and really boring. Congratulations. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, I remember. I remember listening to so in one in particular. There's this Gareth Emery remix contest. And this is the one where I'm talking about. I made an eight-minute trance song using a, a bunch of the same stuff. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Hmm. Um, I remember I remember thinking it was, like, hella good. And then I had a shot at winning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember, I remember listening to the guy that won and then, like, the other top four, like, upvoted songs in the contest. And I was like, should I just quit? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, the guy that won was, like, this incredible melodic dubstep remix it was all like seven Lions style it was so sick and then the guy that got like second was like a side trance like remix and they both did exactly what i was talking about had their own spin and a different flavor that was like super unique and it was all polished sounding and i was just like oh man there's that that might have been the moment. That might have been the moment where I reached the top of that first trajectory on the Dunning-Kruger curve, <laughs> where I realized, oh, fuck, maybe I am just a little shrimp in an ocean. Oh, God.
0: Oh, humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yes, for yes. sure. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about another really good way to approach a remix, and it comes from the EDM cookbook, that sample flip recipe is a super dope way to approach a remix. You can take any tune, and we'll have a link to this in the show notes, um, but Ill Gates devised these recipes that give you like step-by-step instructions for how to make different types of tracks, and it's really powerful. In the sample-based recipe, you start with whatever the sample is, and you chop, find cool bits of it, and chop them onto a drum rack, and then make loops, of the chops rearranging those chops and you make however many sections you can make you know you know whatever two three four five different sections and then figure out like all right what does this feel like oh this part feels like the intro this part feels like a build-up this part feels like it could be the drop and then build those uh build the rest of your elements around that and i think that's a really good way to start where you're just like how many different ways can I flip the original material and rearrange it so that it's recognizable yet also fresh. I think like that balance is really important and opening with that instead of like okay let me like make a drop and then slap a tune on front of it like let me let me make a bunch of different pieces that work from the source material and then A range around that. I'm a big fan of that shit. I want to get back into doing that. I haven't done one of those in a while.
2: Man, yeah. I don't don't have much I don't have much to add. That shit just works as is. Yeah, right. Yeah, sampling is a
1: cheat code, man. Like anytime I'm stuck trying to come up with shit, I'm like, why am I trying so hard? Just find a really good sample and it's a good way to bring yourself back to just having fun with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, like like I said, that that'll be down there in the in the uh, in the links. We got anything else to say? Feels like we covered a lot of good stuff. Man, you know, yeah,
2: I, I think in general, just think about making your music like a human would make it, and, yeah, and not like just a robot. Put your own human music stamp on your human music. Remix. Yeah. Woo.
1: Make sure you slap your own Pro-L preset instead of paying for like
2: Just use the fucking able... Whatever limiter comes with your DAW, man. Just crank that shit up until it sounds like shit and then turn it down a little <laughs> bit. Put there, gain you,
1: plus 10 and save yourself $10. If you, or you don't know how to master... get into Lily. the approach, you know what I'm saying? Go
0: learn from Seth Drake and actually yeah. do it right. Mm.
1: Oh, link. I link, mean, you
2: definitely should do that. But if you have zero dollars and you have a pirated copy of your music production software on your computer, just put the thing that says limiter in the audio effects on the master channel. Turn it up till your song sounds like shit, and then turn it back down a little bit. There's your mastering. And then Done. send us ten bucks. And yep. then send Tesco ten bucks. And then when you're like, I really want the pro shit version, then send, send it to me for bucks. for for twenty, <laughs> and I'll run you through <laughs> slightly you- more plugins. <laughs> Alright humans, with that Peace 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 among worlds Peace among worlds
1: Fuckers
2: (laughs)
0: Alright humans, Luke Rain signing out Appreciate y'all listening to it Smash the like, the subscribe And all that good shit You know, leave us a comment, share You know, all that stuff that helps us find more people That can listen to us Shouts to Dead Connection, cheers, for helping us with this dope question he left as a YouTube comment. If you got an idea uh, for an episode, leave us a YouTube comment or send us an email at TheHumanMusicPodcast at gmail.com or add us at TheHumanMusicPodcast on Instagram or TikTok or at Pod on Twitter. Alright, uh, shouts to the song of the week, Rip Kinney's remix of Choose by Sixth Street and Liz Bezler. You're hearing it now, go bump it. Those links are down below. There's the EDM Cookbook, uh, that's one of our sponsors, we talked about it today. Dojo TV, where you can get some free classes. The weekly download, where you can learn from Ill Gates for only 20 bucks a month. Oh wow. And then guest practices where can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He's the best engineer we know, for real. And the first class over there is free. You will not be sad you did that shit. Um, yeah. See you next week, humans. Peace. Peace among worlds. I
1: like it.